Now say now, you're tuned in to the Wake Up and Win podcast, and I am your host, Devon Pouncey. We are here at the Momentum Studios. It's myself, no other co-host, just me. But I will have my engineer, Zeb, chime in a little bit later on in the episode when we talk a bit about the NFL playoffs. Zeb is a big, big NFL fan. I mean, I, I come in here, I record on Thursday, so obviously y'all know that means as I'm in here, Usually you got Thursday night football going on. And I don't know why he doesn't just chime in more often when we do talk about the NFL, but maybe it's because we don't talk about the NFL enough <laughs> on this podcast. And I, I, at this point, I'm sure that's Zeb's favorite sport. But uh, with no co-host here today and me just running my mouth for however long I end up running my mouth for, Zeb's going to help me out. He'll be my support. We'll talk NFL football. We'll talk about some of the predictions made on the last episode. Some of them ended up being right. Some of them ended up, end, ended up being wrong. And then obviously we'll do a bit of a precap into this weekend slate of games. But let's get into some win shares. Again, I'm recording on Thursday, release Friday, same schedule every, every week. But tonight, Thursday night, January 26th, I will be at Portland State on the call against Montana State on ESPN+. Plus. You can tune into that Friday night when you all hear this episode tonight, basically, January 27th, I'll be back on the ones and twos at Export Rooftop Bar and Lounge. I took a weekend off from the ones and twos last weekend, and quite frankly, I needed it and I deserved it because thinking back, I don't think I've had a weekend off of DJing since like August where the entire weekend I didn't DJ. I wasn't off last weekend, still had to do some broadcasting down at Pacific University, but after coming off the 30th birthday weekend and Again, obviously, you know, prior to that, having the first weekend of the year, I DJed like crazy. The weekend before that, it was New Year's Eve weekend. And, you know, we're coming off the holidays, so on and so forth. I have been jam-packed busy, and I deserved every bit of last weekend off from DJing. So sorry to everybody that hit me up asking where I was going to be at because y'all was outside and looking for a place to go. I wasn't there for you to see. But, again... Back at it this weekend, Export Rooftop Bar and Lounge tonight, Friday, from 9 p.m. to close, which they close at midnight. So pull up. Y'all know the vibes are always A1 on the rooftop. Um, Also, back at Portland State again Saturday night, they'll be playing against University of Montana at home on ESPN+. Plus. So you can definitely tune into that or pull up to the Viking Pavilion. We'd love to see you there. Always a great atmosphere. A good time, Big Sky Conference, competitive play. I'm here for it all. You should be too. And the calls are fun, man. We get busy on the call on ESPN+. Plus. So if you don't feel like getting off your couch, no worries. You can still check us out on ESPN+. Plus. Now that that's out the way, I would be nearly disrespectful if I didn't start off today's episode speaking to you all about what it is that I witnessed last night. I, as you all know, have the great fortune of being able to attend a lot of Portland Trailblazer games. And I also have the great fortune of arguably having the best seat in the house. And the reason I say that, obviously, many of those games that I go to, I tend to sit on the floor, no flex. It just is what it is at this point. Not here to flex it off. I know I get great seats. Y'all tell me I get great seats. And I, I I do have a pretty damn good seat in the house when I tend to go to these games. And this week, I didn't go to the LeBron game where the Blazers absolutely 
choked it off. Um, they were up 25 and let the Lakers and LeBron come back. Um, but I did go to the game the following night against the San Antonio Spurs. Damian Lillard got busy. But last night against the Utah Jazz, I watched what was the greatest single-game performance that I've ever witnessed in my entire life. And I'm a dude that's watched a lot of basketball. I've covered the NBA. I've covered Division I hoops at the Pac-12 level. Some of y'all might remember my days on the three-on-two podcast when I was doing that for the Oregonian, covering the Ducks and the Beavers basketball. I obviously have been in the big sky covering that basketball for quite some time. I played for some top-level teams, some NBA player-sponsored teams in the AAU circuit, played against some of the best players in the country going up, played with some of the best players in the country going up, played through college myself. I've been around a lot of basketball. And let me tell you, I've been to games, and, and I'm speaking to games that I've been to live that I've got to experience being physically in the building when these performances took and pl- have taken place. I wasn't there when Kobe dropped 81. I was there when, when Dame dropped 60 last night. I was also there the game when LeBron silenced the Golden State Warriors when he was playing with the Miami Heat, and he did what's now his well-known celebration after knocking down a game-winning three-pointer over the outstretched hands of Andre Iguodala. That's the year before the Warriors won their first championship. I was live in the building for that. I've been live in the building to watch Dame hit 13 threes in a game. I've seen Dame hit game winners as well. I've been to a lot of games. When I was at 750 the game, I covered the Blazers. I was at every game in press row, and I've been fortunate to be able to see and be around a lot of great basketball over the course of my life, even be a, even be a participant in a lot of great basketball games in the course of my life. But I'm going to tell you why last night was the most impressive performance I've ever seen from an individual in a single game. He scored 60, so let's just start there. But he was 21 of 29 from the field. It was the most efficient 60-point game of all time. And that was his fourth 60-point game of his career. I think he tied Michael Jordan and James Harden for third all-time in 60-point performances. Um, I think Kobe is second with six 60-point performances. And in first, long, far and away ahead of everybody else, is Wilt Chamberlain with 32 60-point performances. Now, we obviously know why Wilt Chamberlain had that many 60-point performances because he was a seven-to-put-footer playing against five-footers, for crying out loud. <laughs> it, it, it was the era that he played in. It was, it was just he was above and beyond too dominant for the game of basketball before it evolved into not even what it is today, but at least what it became in, like, the 80s, if you will, once you had the Kareems and the Showtime Lakers and the Celtics and you take it on to the 90s and all the great big men that played in the 90s, the Hakeems, the Shaqs, the David Robinsons, the Patrick Ewings, the list goes on and on. Now today... You got guys that are playing guard that are the size of the dudes that I've been just naming here, and the game has just evolved into something absolutely great. Here for it, love it, thank you, I'll take it. But the fact that Damian Lillard had the most efficient 60-point performance ever, even more than Wilt Chamberlain, who had 32 of them, 
That should tell you everything you need to know as to why that was the most impressive basketball performance I've ever seen, and maybe many of y'all ever seen too, and I don't care if you watch games, watch highlights, whatever the case may be. The fact that he was able to have a 60-point performance more efficient than any of the 32 that Wilt Chamberlain has, I think speaks volume to how just great the performance was. But it wasn't just that that stood out to me in the performance last last night. Usually when you see 60-point performances, yeah, of course, guys got to catch some kind of rhythm and really just catch some kind of fire to be able to put up that many points. Or you see it where they more so like will themselves and their teams to either have a chance at victory or ultimately be victorious, and they will themselves to just shut everybody out and I'm just going to go out here and get 60. Now, to James Harden's credit in particular – I'm sure James Harden, I haven't looked this up, but just knowing the kind of player James Harden was, especially when he was playing on the Rockets, where he was essentially a triple-double machine, like everything ran through that of James Harden. So I'm sure he probably had some 60-point double-doubles where he had 10-plus assists to go along with his 60 points. Don't know for fact, haven't looked it up, but just knowing the style of play he had and the way that he played and how absolutely everything went through him when he played for the Rockets – Let's just say that was the case for him. He's probably done what Dame did last night as far as like stuffing the stat sheet because Dame absolutely stuffed the stat sheet. He flirted with a triple-double with those 60 points last night. So that was that. But it was such easy work. He did it so effortlessly. And I'm going to tell you, the seats that I sit in often – at the game. Sometimes I I move around a bit, but often I sit right next to the opposing team's bench. In fact, last night I was courtside, very front row, row AA, and I am sitting at the end of the row. So basically you have me at the end of the row, you have the tunnel basically, and then you have the Utah Jazz bench. So I'm the closest person to the Utah Jazz bench in the arena, flat out. The only only thing separating me from being on the bench with them is the tunnel in between us that ain't that wide. And, I mean, in fact, I had Jazz players, like, sitting at my feet, you know, when they weren't sitting on the bench, whether they were stretching, just chilling, hanging out, didn't feel like taking a seat, whatever the case may be. And it was a particular moment last night. I think it was in the fourth quarter. And obviously, by this time, Dame had already been going bonkers. He went for 50 in the first three quarters. And it was a point in time where Colin Sexton, who had a pretty good game last night, by the way. Like, he's a good player, and he played well last night. But Colin Sexton was on the bench, but instead of being on the bench, he was back, like, deeper into the tunnel riding a bike. You know, guys go back to the tunnel, ride the bike to stay loose. So... It was like a situation where you got a dead ball, and on the dead ball possession, the Jazz coach like decides, I want to make a quick sub, and I want to get Colin Sexton in there. So it's kind of like with the hurry upness, Colin, come on, Colin, get in. He's not realizing Colin isn't on the bench. Colin is way back there in the tunnel, nearly in the locker room, on the bike. So he's not, not doing nothing wrong or out of place. So now everybody's yelling as far back as they could to get Colin to be aware that you need to go get in the game. So Colin 
gets off the bike and I mean absolutely sprints to the scorer's table to barely make it into the game and be able to be substituted into the game because, again, it was only a dead ball. So he goes into the game, and I mean he hustles hard from that bike to be able to make it just in the nick of time to go into the game. And when he goes in, he substitutes for whoever he subs for. I can't remember who it was. And he had to go guard Dane. And when he goes to guard Dame, the homie next to me says, he just hustled that hard to go from that bike all the way to the scorer's table to sub himself in just to have to go in and guard Dame right away. And he's definitely about to get cooked. And the very next play, right after the dead ball, ball goes to Dame on the baseline. <laughs> Shoots a turnaround J right over the top of Colin Sexton and knocks it down. And the entire bench, because, again, we're sitting so close to the bench, just start cracking up laughing. Because, again, obviously, Dame's been hot and been on fire. The bench, the Utah Jazz bench couldn't even be mad at how well Dame was playing and the fact that we basically were saying Colin Sexton just rushed to substitute in that game just to get cooked. And that's exactly what happened. And it was just nothing, absolutely nothing he or anybody else in that arena could do about it. I mean, I got Clarksons. I got all kind of players on the bench that are just absolutely cracking up. And all I could say, with, all I could say was, that's what you call going nowhere fast. Because, boy, I knew Colin Sexton had some speed. But it's different when you get to see it that up close and first personal. That boy jetted to that score table to enter into the game and yeah he jetted there all right but he got nowhere after that because he had to go guard Damian Lillard but again man it was just an impressive performance and I got to even be a part of a of a conversation with Dame that I won't really get into because it was more of an off the record conversation um, I had Derek Smith who was my former head coach of the GP gloves I played AAU for the GP gloves which was Sponsored by the Hall of Famer Gary Payton. Obviously, Gary Payton II was on our AAU team as well. Many of you know the relationship that me and GP2 have. And so Derek Smith, who was our AAU coach back in those days, came down to visit. But he also was a longtime coach for the AAU program called the Oakland Rebels, which is the AAU program that Damian Lillard played for in high school. So all love, all Oakland Bay Area ties, if you will. And so after the game, you know, me – D. Smitty, we call Derek Smith D. Smitty, his nephew Pat, who played on my team as well and came out to visit with him. And Dame, it was just us four, and we were just having a conversation, you know, just kind of talking about the team, talking about the season. And, again, I won't really get into the details of all of that because um, I just don't like to do that when it comes to, like, off-the-record conversations that I just so happen to be privy to. But there's definitely some looking in the mirror that that team had to do following that Lakers game and blowing that lead the way that they blew that lead. But what was even more impressive about that is Dame's just always ready and prepared. And last night, that 60-point performance looked more like a workout than it did just an excellent performance from a guy who just – was responding to his team that's dealing with some turbulence at this point in the season. And I'm just going to will us to victory. I don't care if I got to take every shot or make every shot or whatever the case may be. I'm going to put them up, put them up, put them up, put them up, and I might just land at 60 points in the contest. 
It wasn't that kind of performance last night, and that's what I think was so special about Dame. He did so many other things with ease. I mean, passing the ball. The dude, Spencer actually is on his podcast all the time calling Damian Lillard an underrated passer, and that was on display last night. Again, I think he had like eight rebounds in the game last night as well. Chauncey Billups talked about all the other things that Dame did outside of scoring that 60 points. But Dame always talks about trusting his work, And I'm going to tell you, last night looked like an absolute workout out there for a guy. The Utah Jazz were nothing but cones out there, as far as I'm concerned, watching that performance. So, huge shout-out to Dame. I hope he don't have to – here's the thing. We see this from Dame all the time, especially at this time of year. We're weeks away from All-Star Weekend, and – Dame tends to turn it up around this time of the year. I don't know what it is about this time of the year that makes him turn it up. And quite frankly, although it's entertaining to watch and you love to see it and he gets to put on display how great he really is and why he is an NBA top 75 player, it's something I don't particularly wish for the guy because usually he has to put on these heroic performances. And we talked about this a bit too on the last episode or maybe it was two episodes ago, but He has to put on these heroic performances to try to dig his team out of a hole. But at some point, he's going to need more help from everybody else around him, especially when it comes to what his dreams and aspirations are, which is ultimately to become an NBA champion. I hate to see him have to like kind of burn out because he just has to just go absolute bonkers and put up 40 and 50 and 60 night after night after night to secure victories for his team and also for them to be able to just have a chance to play in the postseason, which he is one of those guys that just basically refuses to not let his team make it to the postseason. So while this is something that we've just gotten accustomed to seeing over his career, I'm not particularly a fan of seeing that because I do want to see Dame have a legitimate chance at winning the championship, and that formula just obviously hasn't particularly worked for him to be able to accomplish that, but it's worked for him to be able to accomplish everything else from being an all-star, an NBA top 75 player, a future Hall of Famer, having the most efficient 60-point game ever, and so on and so forth. The list goes on and on and on when it comes to Dame's accolades, so... I just want to give him a huge shout out. It was great. It was a great performance to see and to witness and to be a part of. And it's even better, again, because I tend to sit next to these benches oftentimes to see just sort of the awe that opposing teams have for him as NBA players. And again, that that moment when Sexton went in the game and we just absolutely caught that he was about to get cooked. He hustled super hard to get from that bike to the scores table just to get cooked and it indeed happened like the his teammates couldn't even get mad about it all they could do is just laugh like damn <laughs> this dude is absolutely giving it to us so again shout out to him I'll be back at another game real soon because uh it's that time of the year for Dame where where Dame time comes out in full effect and he starts having 60 point performances and 50 point performances and all those things so I'm here for that it's a good home stretch for the Blazers right now and uh quite frankly I'm here for that now I want to get into the NFL and Zeb I'm glad you're here today because you're here every time that I record this podcast, but more so I don't have the support of anybody else to talk about the NFL. But I do want to get into, one, just the games that took place last weekend um, and just kind of follow up on at least some of the things that I predicted. 
from last week's episode going into the weekend and then what ultimately happened. I think we could just start off with the I want to start off with the game that I was wrong about and that was the Buffalo Bills versus the Cincinnati Bengals and Zeb the Cincinnati Bengals absolutely took it to the Buffalo Bills. Now last week I said that it was going to be a shootout. I assumed it would be a shootout. It obviously wasn't that. But what I will say to my defense or maybe to just my lack of checking in or of checking the weather, I I would have never said that that game would have been a shootout had I known it was going to be a snow game. I mean, no, of course, not. just you know what I'm saying. So, so I, I said that, and maybe I should have just went on my weather app just to check and see <laughs> what the weather was going to be like for that game. But I'm not calling any or predicting any game to be a shootout that's going to be snowing. So, my bad for having that prediction wrong. But <laughs> that was the reason I felt like I had it wrong. But what does this say, Zeb? In your opinion about a the Bengals and Joe Burrow and them being back in the conference title game and having a chance to go to the Super Bowl back-to-back seasons, and B. Josh Josh Allen, who we kind of put on this pedestal, and eh, he's a great – he's a really good quarterback, but, like, at what point do we start to become critical of him and his shortcomings in the postseason? Well, I mean, I think maybe what we're learning about Josh Allen is that while he's obviously a very good quarterback – he needs that supporting cast around him to be up to snuff. And it just seems like at this point, the Bills roster isn't enough to support him. And, mm. I, you know, I was honestly surprised and disappointed that the Bills didn't put up more of a fight in yeah. that game. At home, in the snow, versus the Bengals, you know, nine times out of ten, you assume the Bills are winning that game regardless. Yeah, <laughs> you for know? sure, for sure. But, I mean, that, that Bengals team is resilient, man. Joe Burrow is that dude. I think it's uh, undeniable at this point. And to see the way that they've come together late in the season after a rough start and offensive line issues and things like that, it's just – it's impressive. And uh, it's kind of hard not to not to root for that team. Now, now look, I'm not going to sit here and ask, is Joe Burrow the best quarterback in the NFL? Because <laughs> ain't no way I'm going to disrespect Patrick Mahomes in that way. But, again, I, I, we talked about this on last week's episode. I've always been – Patrick Mahomes is that dude, and he's been that dude for quite some time. He's the face of the league as far as the quarterback position is concerned. And his biggest threat has seemed to be Josh Allen. Obviously, you can look back to, you know, the, the, the seasons that Josh Allen has been having the last couple of seasons, that just absolute war that those two had in the postseason last year. Yeah. But now here you go, Joe Burrow, who beat Kansas City in the postseason last year, to go to the Super Bowl and now has another chance to do so again this year, I want to more so make this about Joe Burrow and Josh Allen. Like, who's better at this point? Seeing what Joe Burrow is actually able to do for his team in the postseason and having done what he just did to Josh Allen in a head-to-head because we haven't been saying that Joe Burrow, and, and obviously a lot of it is because he's just so young, but at what point can we start to say, Maybe he's the second-best quarterback in the NFL because, again, I'm not going to disrespect Patrick Mahomes and say Burrow is better than him. I'm just – I don't have it in me yet. <laughs> right. Well, I think that, uh, you know, I think there's things like like Patrick Mahomes, there's things Josh Allen can do that Joe Burrow can't necessarily do. Right. That – I mean, we're talking about world-class arm strength yeah. and athleticism. Um, Burrow does, isn't necessarily that, but I think Burrow is proving to be – the leader 
And the, just the, the kind of the, he's the field general. He's going to elevate his team. He's going to take them to the next level. Um, it's 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 a great, great debate. Those three guys in particular, um, they're all they're all so good at what they do. And they're so fun to watch uh, where I'm just super stoked to, to get to watch them all. I, I think what we what we're kind of seeing a little bit with like. Burrow, and and this is a poor man's version of it, but the comparison I'm going to make, I want you to follow me here. With Burrow and Allen, again, I'm still putting Mahomes in a class of his own right now, but with those two in particular, it almost has a a Manning-Brady feel to me. And again, those dudes got a long way to be anything compared to who Manning and Brady were. But ultimately what I mean by that is I would say Manning was a better talent than Tom Brady was. but for whatever reason, Tom Brady knew how to like galvanize his teams to actually go and win. <laughs> you yeah, know what I mean? Absolutely. Like to yep. actually yep. go and win more so than Peyton Manning was able to do. And again, as you mentioned, I think in this instance, again, both of these guys haven't even won a Super Bowl yet. But again, from like a poor man standpoint, I would say Burrow is giving me more Brady vibes. And Josh Allen is giving me more Peyton Manning vibes. Would that was that make sense to you? Yeah, I agree. I, I you could also say uh, with Josh Allen, maybe Aaron Rodgers vibes. Like yeah, like unmatched talent. But can does it really count in the end? Like, can you really pull your team together and and will your team to win? For sure. For sure. So, yeah, I mean, again, big kudos to Joe Burrow. I will say that I got the Chiefs winning this weekend, and obviously some of that is dependent upon uh, the injury that took place to Patrick Mahomes. But Burrow ended up a little bit hobbled as well. So we'll just see. I think, you know, health aside, I'm rolling with the Chiefs. I don't think Burrow is going to beat Mahomes back-to-back in the postseason, but um, if he does, again, very impressive. <laughs> well, now, so Burroughs, Bengals are, th- are three and zero against Mahomes and the Chiefs, right? Yeah. So yeah, but but I mean, I mean, the flame got to go out at some point, right? <laughs> I guess it's just going to depend on, on, on. I think it does depend on health. Like, yeah, I think Burrow, you know, probably has uh, no pun intended a leg up yeah. <laughs> on Mahomes, even if he is hobbled a bit just by his style of play. Mahomes. We're gonna have he's 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 really really gonna be uh you know not very mobile and it's gonna be tough he's gonna have to be a pocket passer yeah and he doesn't have Tyreek Hill and he doesn't have Tyreek Hill but he does have Travis Kelsey so I'm still <laughs> sure rolling with I'm still roll with the Chiefs man I'm I'm rolling with the Chiefs um the 49ers Cowboys I mean I told y'all on last week episode I feel like I I kind of sort of nailed that one just in regards to like there were two question marks at quarterback. Um, and I think that's more of a, a, a slight to Dak Prescott, especially now that the results are what they are than it is to Brock Purdy. Cause Brock Purdy's just young, but Dak is somebody who coming into that game to me was a huge question mark and he had something to prove in that game. And he only proves what we already known is that he is questionable in big moments. The game was it was his to win. His defense stood strong, played well. Brock Purdy was questionable, as expected for a young quarterback playing in a game of this magnitude. Dak Prescott was the veteran, the highly paid quarterback, and he did not show up. No, he didn't. He, he played didn't pretty up. poorly, and and I think the I think the fan base has turned on him now. So yeah, I agree. Could be interesting. I agree. Yeah, I'm I'm looking forward to see what's next with them. But but obviously, you know, in in the case of the Niners, 
They got to face off against an Eagles team who thrashed the Giants last week, which I told D-Boy. Like, I don't know what you think. I don't know what you thought was going on, that the, that the best underdog was the Giants that weekend. Nah, psych. 38-7 yeah. yeah, thrashing. They, they shouldn't even have been there. They shouldn't even have been there. They absolutely shouldn't have been there. But what I do think is interesting and what, what again, one of my main points last week was is what I think – when it comes to Jalen Hurts in particular, obviously the Eagles are probably the best all-around team in football. And I think, you know, the Niners are like a close second in that regard. But what I think the separation is with the Niners and the Eagles is, again, I feel like Hurts isn't particularly a question mark at quarterback in this regard. He takes care of the football. Yeah. Like, I can live with a quarterback who maybe will get me two or three touchdowns in a game, but he won't turn the ball over at all. That's much better to work with than the unpredictability of a quarterback who can just go off and erupt for 300 yards passing and four touchdowns or close to it, or he can throw three or four picks and, you know what I'm saying, and just like have an atrocious game. And I feel like the consistency – that the Eagles have had and knowing that if we just all do what we do, which is obviously everything, because, again, they're a really good, well-rounded team, whether it be defensively, special teams, offensively, and we just know that our quarterback is a safety net in regards to being able to manage the game and take care of the ball, for me, that's more of a recipe to win than hanging your hopes on a young quarterback like Brock Purdy to just go out and have a big game, which, again, he showed he can do. But at the same time, he's shown that he could not have such big games as well. And that's the reason I think that I'm going to go with Philly this weekend. Obviously, they're at home. Um, and obviously, you know, if there's any team that can turn you over, it is the 49ers defense. So I'm interested to see how Hurts will hold up as somebody who's established himself as a quarterback that doesn't turn the ball over much against a defense that loves turning you over. Um, so I think that's kind of what I'll be looking for this weekend. But I do still think that Hurts will hold up more than Purdy in regards to protecting the football because, again, Purdy is dealing with arguably just as good or, or just nearly as good of a defense in the Eagles. And I'm a ride with Hurts in that one. I honestly, I think that 49ers defense is better than the Eagles. I, mean, I, I, I do too, actually, Eagles, I, but, but not by much, but yeah, I agree. They got that D line. I mean, they get no sure. sacks. They're going to get after Purdy. And, and you know, everybody keeps kind of waiting on Purdy to fall. <laughs> right. Cause it's, I, I just, I mean, it, it just makes sense for him to like, nobody has this kind of initial success in the league, but right. He just keeps proving everybody wrong. I just I just think the Niners, top to bottom, have the best roster. And if Purdy, to me, he's the only question mark. If he plays like he's been playing, I don't think anybody's beating him. But he didn't play that good this past week. Would right. You, would no, you he say? didn't. And I think and the the up to this point, the Cowboys is probably the best defense that he's had to face. Yeah. Um so uh, yeah, I think there's the, there's the chance. He's only that, dealing with more of the same. This yeah, weekend. yeah, exactly. I just I, that that 49ers defense and those weapons that he has. Yeah, I think he can that. afford to make a few mistakes, and I think there's they'll compensate for it. I, I hear you again because I do think you know if there's anybody that would be able to turn over Hurts, it it would be the 49ers defense because mm-hmm. I do agree. I think the Niners defense is the best defense in the league, but the Eagles got to be a close second. I mean, they they are. I just do the Niners have almost a two hundred point differential 
positive. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, for sure. For they sure. score a lot of points and they don't let people score a lot of points. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, so you got Niners in that one. I'm picking the Niners, yeah. I'm going to roll with the Eagles. And I'm Niners a Seahawks fan. So yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, that's, that's not the, me being biased. That's big. That's big, <laughs> Zeb. That's big. That's big. Um, who have I missed? I mean, obviously, we talked about Chiefs. They played against the Jaguars. I mean, kudos to the Jaguars. They made it competitive. But they put it, up a hell of a fight. But also, was... Patrick Mahomes got injured in that game. So exactly. For, for what it's worth. like. But okay. I, I love the way the Jaguars turned their season around and to see Trevor Lawrence start to look like the guy that people expected him to look like. It's just fun. I think it's great. It's good for uh, good for Duval. For sure, for sure. Nah, man. So Super Bowl. So your predictions. You got the Niners winning. I don't think you you got the Chiefs or you got the Bengals. I'm, I'm going Bengals. I'm going uh, Super going, Bowl rematch. You going Niners Bengals Super Bowl rematch? I'm going. I'm going the opposite. I'm going opposite. I'm going <laughs> well, Philly. I'm going Philly, and I'm going Mahomes in the Chiefs. So uh, we'll see next week. We'll hey, have man. a little bit more bragging rights it's, it's when it the comes best, to these predictions. <laughs> it's the best uh, football Sunday of the year. I'm uh, yeah, I can't wait. I'm stoked for it. I'm stoked for it definitely. Um, lastly, I want to talk about this, uh, and and I don't know if you've seen it or not, Zeb. Obviously, pivoting away from from the NFL now, but did you see the whole situation with Shannon Sharp last week and when he got into it with? T. Morant and the Memphis Grizzlies. I, I, I Not even John Morant and the Memphis Grizzlies, but T. Morant and the Memphis Grizzlies. I, I, I didn't. I know there's been a lot of uh, a lot of stuff with Shannon Sharp lately. <laughs> like people, yeah, their um, feelings about it. Basically, basically, I mean, in a nutshell, to just kind of synthesize things, Shannon Sharp is a huge LeBron James fan. Um, the Grizzlies were playing against the Lakers, and Shannon Sharp was sitting courtside, and. Shannon Sharp, I, I guess he made a comment saying that, like, Dylan Brooks was too small to guard LeBron James, and then that turned into, like, a bunch of fuck yous between Dylan Brooks and Shannon Sharp. <laughs> and then from there, like, Shannon Sharp was basically calling Dylan Brooks over, like, come say it to my face, as Dylan Brooks walked the opposite way towards his team's bench. But as he's walking towards his team's bench, his teammates, in his defense, Steven Adams especially start walking towards Shannon Sharp. And then coming from the other direction is T. Morant, John Morant's dad, who walks towards Shannon Sharp. So now it's basically Shannon Sharp against the Memphis Grizzlies. Obviously, like I said, him and T. Morant have some words. Fortunately, we got to see them publicly make up as well. So that's good. But, you know, Steven Adams and the whole Grizzly team's almost like basically like circled Shannon Sharp almost in a way, or half-circled him, <laughs> you know wow. what I'm saying? Um, and Shannon Sharp came out and apologized and everything, and, and here's my thing, man. Like, do I agree with what Shannon Sharp did? Kind of no. <laughs> but the reason that it's a kind of no is because, again, I just told y'all earlier in the episode, I tend to have some pretty good seats at these Blazers games, and I've talked about – it right here on this podcast, that Grizzlies team, man, not just because I'm a warrior guy and, you know, when it comes to Dylan Brooks, I, I've definitely spoken about, you know, my sort of distaste for him. We can all go back to the situation with GP2 in the playoffs last year when he broke his wrist, yada, yada, yada. But, like, I, I was a seat away from the Grizzlies bench this season, too. And they talk uh Gang of shit. 
Like, like, you know what I'm saying? Like, like, if it was any other team, I probably would have been critical. I probably would have been doing a taking L segment today and giving Shannon Sharp and taking L's. Like, dude, come on, man. Like, you don't have to be getting into it with the players out here. But the fact that it was the Grizzlies team that it happened against, and in that game, there were clips. I think it was LeBron and Desmond Bain, where LeBron basically had to tell the Grizzlies, like, yo, y'all getting disrespectful out here. Like, it's one thing to be hooping and talk a little shit, but y'all not really even on no hoop shit. Y'all really talking kind of greasy, and y'all really getting disrespectful. And I think John Morant was trying to tell LeBron to chill, and Brown was like, no, I'm not chilling because y'all out here being, like, actually disrespectful. And because I am aware that that Grizzlies bench – is a little nuts, and they do tend to get a bit disrespectful. That's the only reason I'm not coming on this podcast and being critical of Shannon Sharp. Had it happened against the Wizards or anybody else or any other 29 other teams in the league, I would have something to say critically about Shannon Sharp putting himself in a position to be damn near fighting the players. You know what I'm saying? But because it was that team and the altercation started with Dylan Brooks, which doesn't surprise me at all, he had to do what he had to do, man. He's still a grown man. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like He's still a grown man. And he went on to Fox and apologized and did all the things. But it was just like, I, I know how that team gets down. You know, I'm aware of how that team gets down. I'm aware of how Dylan Brooks gets down as well in particular. So it really makes me hard in a moment where I want to be critical of Shannon to actually be critical of Shannon. And then even after the fact, like, you got Dylan Brooks calling Shannon Sharp a regular pedestrian. Man, this dude is a Hall of Fame, NFL Hall of Fame <laughs> tied in with the most popular sports show or second most top two, you know what I mean, other than maybe first take sports show in the world. Like, come on, man, bro. Like, calling him a regular pedestrian and, like, acting like Shannon Sharp is a nobody kind of, to me, speaks to sort of the delusion when it comes to some of the disrespect that those Grizzlies players give off <laughs> and expect for some of that disrespect to not come back in return. Um, you know, I watched the game last night after the Blazers game. I, I was at the Blazers game, but after – the game was over. You know, we kind of hanging out at the arena, and there was TVs on around there, and they were showing, like, the end of the Warriors game that came down to the wire. The Warriors beat them on a game winner last night. But you could just see even the distaste that the Warriors still have for the Grizzlies after having beaten them in the series last year, I, you know, after winning the championship. I was in the club when Steph Curry was going dumb to whoop that trick in San Francisco on parade day. Like, I was there. I witnessed all of that. But like I said, if it was anybody else, bro, Shannon, you you, you got to relax. And, again, I know he came out and made his apology on FS1, but, but the fact that it was them, I'm giving Shannon Sharp a pass. I'm giving him a pass. Um, next up. We got an interview, man. My former AAU coach of the GP Gloves, currently the head coach of the Right Way Academy out in Oakland, California. He's coached guys like myself, Gary Payton II, Damian Lillard. The list goes on and on and on. His name is Derek Smith, and uh, he's one of those old-fashioned dudes, one of those old schools. He, he, he comes from the school of hard knocks. He's an old-school guy, and you're going to hear why here shortly. But tune in. I'm glad and, and honored and privileged to have been able to interview him as somebody who's played a significant role in my life personally. Um, and he's here with us on the podcast today. Derek Smith out of Oakland, California, right here on the Wake Up and Win podcast. Keep it locked. 
So I'm here right now, Portland, Oregon, per usual. The Porter Hotel. Y'all hear me talk about the Porter Hotel a lot because I DJ here. I DJ at Export. But this time it's a little different. I got some people in town, some loved ones in town. And the one in particular is who you'll hear be a guest right here on this podcast today. He goes by the name of Derek Smith. Some of y'all have heard stories about Derek Smith, particularly if you go back to the GP2 episode when we had GP2 on, on this very podcast and he talked about the infamous head coach that took the team off the floor in the championship game of one of the biggest AAU tournaments the circuit had to offer. This is back in 2010. And uh, now you get to hear him live in the flesh. We call him D. Smitty, so you'll be hearing me refer to him as D. Smitty. But Derek Smith, head coach of the Right Way Academy. What's going on, man? Glad to have you. I'm fine, man. I'm glad to be here, man. This is a great experience for me. I haven't been deported in a long time. But I'm grateful and blessed that you guys got me up here. I'm just ready to do what you need me to do, bro. It's it's cool. I'm glad we got you up here, too. You got to see the fruits of your labor out here. Tonight, you obviously got to see me, you know, do my thing, broadcast and doing play-by-play over at Pacific University. But the last couple of nights you've been at the Moda Center, you got to watch the Blazers. You got to watch GP2, obviously, who you've coached. You coached Damian Lillard as well during his time with the Oakland Rebels in the circuit. For you, long-tenured in this AAU game, long-tenured and sending guys to play at the next level, and now you get to see your guys be successful in the world of sports, whether it be playing professionally, broadcasting professionally, and obviously so much more beyond that. How does it feel to be able to just see the fruits of your labor labor at the highest of levels? First of all, I just want to thank God, man, because a lot of people don't get to see the fruits of their labor. Um, I got into coaching basketball 34 years ago, but really basketball is not even my favorite sport. (laughs) (laughs) My favorite sport is baseball. Me, Ricky Henderson, Lloyd Mosby, I played baseball back in the day with all of them. I was a pretty good baseball player, but back in that day at 17 years old, my father passed away uh-huh. all, of a, all of a sudden. He was playing golf out at uh, Los Pacitas in Livermore, and he just dropped dead on the 14th hole. Wow. And that threw me for a loop, and um, it kind of had me. I went 90 north when I should have went 90 south with my thoughts because that was a big blow to me to see my father drop dead when I was 17 years old. I probably could have got drafted in Major League Baseball also, but – I kind of lost the love for sports. That just took so much out of me. So, But then I ended up in 1989, one of my other boys uh, used to be my warrior game partner, my fishing partner. He was coaching Oakland Rebels. I wasn't coaching him at that time. And um, he got killed. In a, these young guys came into the neighborhood bar and just shot the bar one night. Mm-hmm. And he got killed. And they asked me to start coaching, uh, take his pace, clean uh, Melvin, that guy named Melvin Landry, who started the Oakland Rebels, he asked me, this, could I take his place? I had never coached basketball, but I was coaching baseball at the time. And ever since then, 34 years ago, man, I just take it. God just let me run with it. Yeah. I've been wanting to stop a lot of times. I don't want to coach no more basketball. But every time, God kept letting it fall back into my lap. So I stopped fighting God and just started doing what he put me on this earth to do is to help young people uh to make it in life because i have a thing my thing i don't care so much about a kid going to the nba because that that's far and few of players i've coached many players these 34 years and uh dame and um 
a little GP2, they're the only one that I know of that has made it all the way to the pros here. But I have had kids to go overseas and play. Right. And be very successful, become millionaires out of playing basketball overseas. But right. I, I was blessed to, uh, that God allowed me to do this. But he had a reason for me to do this. I, I didn't understand it then, but now I do. My calling on my life is to help young people make it in life when the ball stops bouncing. That's a quote that I have in my program now called the Right Way Academy, uh, preparing for life when the ball stops bouncing. Yeah, for sure. And it's interesting you say that. For one, just to give some of the listeners some context with the Oakland Rebels in particular, long-tenured AAU program out of, out of the Bay Area, produced talents like Damian Lillard, as aforementioned, Juan Toscano-Anderson, who's yes. playing for the Lakers right now. He came through the Rebels program. So many more good players and great talents that, as you mentioned, have played overseas and, and have made a wave in this basketball space, have come through that program that you've been with since its earliest days in the late 80s. and but I also think it's interesting you speak of your calling because one thing that I feel like I was fortunate playing under people like you, um, I played, you know, Juco ball at Diablo Valley College under Steve Coach Amiglio. And he was sort of the same way in the sense of I saw him bring so many college scouts. I saw so many professional and NBA scouts that would come to our Juco practices or teams when they come into town and they got to play against Cal and they got to play against Stanford. They would come to DVC to have their practices, right. do their shoot arounds, things of that sort. And I always wonder with him, like, why is it that you just don't accept the job coaching at the division one level? Or why is it that you don't accept the job when you're offered to be an NBA scout? But for him, he felt that his calling was to coach and mold Juco basketball players obviously into young men and just help them progress to the next level. And so I'm grateful and appreciative that a lot of the coaches that I played for, it wasn't particularly about self, nor was it as much about the business of basketball, right, which right. is what we're seeing today a lot more in the circuit. It was more so about the purity of the sport itself and also wanting to help young men and young players to be able to reach newer heights on and off the basketball court. Right. For you in particular, again, we can mention the GP2s. We can mention the Damian Lillards. What are some of the stories that you like or that make you feel good about players that you're seeing in their post-career, whether it's as family men, whether it's them having great careers and just doing well for themselves. And now they're able to give back and return the favor to you with your academy that you have right now and your AAU program that you have right now. Well, I'm blessed, man. There's a lot of kids, man. Um, in the 34 years of coaching, I've lost three kids really to the streets. Yeah. And in Oakland, that's big. No other coach around there can say that. But I only lost three kids because I, first of all, you got to have grades to play with me. Uh, you don't have to be a straight-A student, but you got to be eligible. And most of the time, my team GPA was like 3.0 and up. Yeah. I've never, I've been blessed to have kids that can, that was really smart in school. Like right now, my team, I'm having a freshman team this year. The team GPA is about like a 3.8. Out of all the kids that uh that's gonna be on the program with me, I have like twelve kids that's gonna play with me. But my my my, I'm more grateful for. I, it's a kid named uh, we call him Dirty D, named Derek Bruce. Yeah, he he came before you guys, I think. 
That yeah, was 2010. Was yeah, 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 yeah. He was before that. He was the 2000. I'm gonna tell the story about him, right? Because I'm very proud of him today. He has a son right now that's he's gonna be phenomenal. He's a, he's a 12 year old that's killing everybody that's big. But what I liked about Dirty D, I took that kid up on my wing. His parents was on drugs. Man, I would like one year he would play. The next year he wouldn't play. This kid had a lot going on in his life. Right. But one thing I'm very the most proud of him. Right to this day, he has like four boys, man. He take care of all them boys. He referee. He work hard. He he works a regular job. He, he referee basketball. And this kid turned out better than any kid I've ever dealt with because no other kid that I deal with had to deal with what was going on at home like this kid. Right. Named Derek Bruce, man. And right now, that's one of the most successful stories that I'm more proud of than even GP and them making it to the NBA. That's cool, Dame. They all that's cool. But to see this kid take care of his family and go through what he went through, uh, for his parents been on drugs, Break, breaking like a generational curse. Yeah, he breaking the curse, man. And, yeah, and I, I was. I'm just happy. I'm just happy to see that. You know what I'm saying? And um, he told me one day, Cody, you don't know how much you meant to my life, but I don't. I don't do nothing for my reward. It's a uh, my reward is when. I see you guys doing like stuff what you're doing. Yeah. Uh, I don't care about the NBA because there's not too many kids. You count the numbers, the numbers are against them. So, yeah. but what about your life, man? You go, you're going to be most of the 99% of the time, you that ball is going to stop bouncing one day. What are you going to do then? Yeah. A lot of players so caught up in the basketball when the ball is taken away from their life, they become drug dealers. They become, Whatever thing, doing a lot of stuff that's not good that, that break morals and values. But I'm grateful. Most of like, like I say, like 98 percent of my kids, man, they all doing perfect, doing something good in life, and that's for sure. that's my reward. That's more. That's more. I thank God for that every day in my prayers. Yeah, you know, for letting me help these kids, and even right today, even I always ask God to put kids with me that He want me to help. You right. know, I'd have had some kids say they they parents say they're gonna come, then they back out, but it's not meant for them. I don't even get mad because it's not meant for them to be with me. Right. God know who he wants with me, who he wants to be up under me to help them achieve what they need to achieve in life. You you bring up an important point when you speak about how few players actually get to a point of maybe like a GP2 or just playing in the NBA or playing professionally at all. But as you see basketball, you've been in the AAU circuit for 35 years now. You see this game turning into big business beyond just the NBA. Now you got NIL, which changes a lot of things. You got social media and you just have a different form of success of, of accessibility for these youth. And we actually talked about this on last week's episode. Uh-huh. How is it that you adapt or do you adapt at all to some of the changes and the transformations that you're seeing in the circuit that these youth are going through when the opportunities look so drastically different than it did from not even just when you first started. You could just take it to me from when right. I played for you 10 years ago. Right. Things look completely different now in the circuit than it looked when I played with you on the GP gloves. Yeah, to me, it got out of control for me. I think it really <laughs> is out of control because we are not allowing our kids to, we're rushing our kids. It's like a microwave. I had this thing with microwaves. I don't mess with microwaves. Okay. I'm still a foil man. Yeah. <laughs> I turn that oven on to 350, Yeah. put my food in at four and heat it up. And people don't even understand this about microwaves. 
Heat your food up in the microwave and heat your food up in the oven. When it come out, let's see what food is still nourishing and what food stay hot the longest. Microwaves only stay hot for so long. And this thing about you putting that in your body, microwave, to me, not good for you. Yeah. But that's the way the generation is now. It's we're in a microwave generation. Right. Well, people don't understand. Fast ain't good. You know, I had this old thing. This is kind of crazy, but I had an old thing. Like, remind me, like, man, when I was young, you driving down the street real fast. You done pass that pretty girl walking down the street you want to stop and talk to. Yeah. When you slow down. You don't miss her. Right. But when you speed so fast, oh, man, I missed that girl. Oh, yeah, but hey, she gone. Somebody else got her. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> but it's just the same way it is, man. All this, um, the way the world is going, the whole world in uproar right now, man. All we can really do is just pray and try to keep the more and the value as much as possible. Because I know the old school lasts longer. New school is just temporary. Like I said, it's like a microwave. Man. Yeah. It's a quick hitter, man. And all quick hitters ain't good. That's only on out of bound plays in basketball. Right, right, right. Right. Hitter. For sure. But, For not sure. In, but not in life, because when you move too fast, you miss your lesson. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So I don't I'm I'm cool. I know how to adjust. I was blessed because I worked in juvenile hall probation with juveniles yeah. in the jail for 25 years. And it taught me how to deal with these youngsters of today. You can't get at the youngsters. Today, like you did back in the old day, first of all, then they parents like you can't be talking to my kids like that. But our kids are not really turning out to be real men like they should because they're they losing that that foundation of toughness and and every they want everything easy. You, yeah. know, you don't want it too easy because you don't learn nothing like that. Man. Yeah, you don't learn nothing like that. But I just don't like the, the nil. I don't, what what is a fifteen year old kid? We got a kid in OT out of. Um, Oakland went to Bishop O'Dow. He's at the new OTO, OTE, I don't know what they call it, in, in Atlanta, man. This kid at 15 years old signed a million-dollar contract. Could you imagine what we would do with $15 million? A million dollars at 15 years I wouldn't old. have been ready for it. I couldn't have been ready for it. Yeah. And I know it. I'm a 63-year-old man now. Yeah. And I know I wouldn't have. That is not too much anything ain't good. It's a time and place for everything. Yeah. It's a time to run. It's a time to walk. It's a time to laugh. It's a time to cry. So it's a time to plant. It's a time to pluck up. Balance. You got you to understand. Yeah, God wants you to have balance in your life. When we miss the balance, that's why we lose out so much. You know what I'm saying? A lot of people, they can't handle it when stuff don't go well with them. Yeah. You know, but when you take it slow, it be for sure. And that's why I keep telling I'm slow, but I'm for sure. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? I yeah. do pray and ask God to continue to guide my mind, keep me strong in mind. And that's the way I roll. But this new generation, it's tough, man. I yeah. really, I'm, I, I could coach in it because God has taught me of dealing. I refereed basketball, high school basketball for 15 years. I worked in juvenile probation for 25 years. I worked for Sid Oakland Park and Rec for 15 years. I just been around kids and God has let me be around. As the change come, I could deal with it. It taught me how to deal with the change. Right. I used to, I used to be. I used to be something else. I used to be like a Bobby Knight back in the day. Yeah, 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 but yeah. yeah, yeah. Today, they could take that. They couldn't handle it. No, so I got to be more like a Steve Kerr. <laughs> <laughs> Just sit back and let it happen. You know what I'm saying? It, it's know. interesting because when I played for you, you know, obviously we talked about your time coaching with the Rebels. And I never really understood the story outside of just knowing you and Gary Payton 
the Hall of Famer Gary Payton. Right. You know, both grew up in Oakland, both have familiar relationships. Your mother's was best friends. Your mother's was best friends. So when I come around, I meet you when I basically considered myself a free agent. Right. In my final year of being eligible to play in the AAU circuit, going into my senior year of high school. I meet you during that time period through a couple of my high school teammates that I was playing for you. Right. You end up recruiting me. I play for the GP gloves with, with you as the coach. Obviously, GP2 on that team as well. Um, and we were pretty damn good. Yeah. We we got busy for we won sure. A lot of games. But but when you make that transition from coaching the Rebels to you and Gary Payton deciding to connect and saying, let's start this team called the GP Gloves. Gary Payton obviously being the sponsor. What kind of cultivated that, you know, from obviously the relationship y'all have from your parents all the way down to whatever was going on with you and the Rebels that made you decide, I want to kind of break away and kind of spin this thing well, off and, and become the GP Gloves. Because well, really, I never even knew the story right, behind that. Really, I played on the team. But what really happened how we got to that situation, I was with the Rebels for a while. They ended up teaming up. Matter of fact, I was president of the Rebels at that time also. Uh, they ended up teaming up with a group called the Hoosiers. Mm. And they kind of like backstabbed me and made a deal with them. And I was the president of the Oakland Rebels at that time. They made a deal with them behind my back. Mm. But it was cool because it, people could believe this or not, the good Lord put in my spirit like, Man, just step away. This before I knew what had really happened. I just it, it just something wasn't right, right. Yeah, yeah. So when I stepped away, I found out they had teamed up with the Hoosiers. And the Hoosiers that, was damn good, but yeah, it was. Time, I remember Rick Perea, Rick Perea was the running because Juan Toscano again. Yeah. And he played for the. They were the Hoosiers for a minute. I for remember sure, that. Sure. I remember that. Uh, uh, what's the kid play with the Denver right now? Aaron Gordon. Aaron Gordon. Yeah. He was, he was with the Hoosiers. Yeah. Uh, the other boy with the Arizona, with the O'Dowd. Brandon Ashley. Brandon Ashley. Yeah. Yep. Uh, that guy, he was with them. So they had a good program, but what it was at that time, the Rebels, we had to fundraise all our money. Right. Back then, them guys were sponsored because they had a guy named Rick Perez who had a lot of money. Yeah. And he paid for the to have the program in place. So that's how I end up starting. I went to Gary. This when Gary was in the, in the NBA and up in his prime at that time, around 2009, 10, started 2010. He was in his prime still. I mean, he was still. He wasn't there. in his prime no, still in 2010. No, he wasn't. No, no, I'm not saying <laughs> he was prime. I ain't going to let he you was, get away with that one. Hold on. He, <laughs> he might have been retired by that time. No, he wasn't retired. At man, time. you've been coaching for thirty-four years, man. I know, but, but, he, but he hasn't. He wasn't retired at that okay. time. Okay, all but right. Anyway, he was in the midst of still playing in it. Man, I just went to him like, man, I need you to come on, man. Let's start a program in your name, and he did, and he, he he sponsored it for us to travel and all that kind of stuff. That's how I got started. But it was really because some things happened in the Rebels that, uh, that wasn't cool, right? And I, and I stepped away before I found out really what happened. Right, and once I stepped away. God, let me see why he put in my spirit to step away. So then when I once I stepped away, I saw what was happening. But, you know, Bible since then went back to the rebels after the guys came back. The, the guy that was over came back and apologized like we shouldn't have did that. But but things happen in life for a reason. So it just helped me build some more character. 
it wasn't everything everything the devil mean for bad god will take it and make it for good so i don't worry about all that kind of stuff when stuff happened but that's what happened that's how i ended up being coaching they having the gp gloves it's crazy because you the most shit talking this head coach <laughs> i've ever played for and i think right behind you would probably be steve coach amigla i played for some shit talking head coaches but right. you you got everybody beat as far as i'm concerned for him <laughs> in my own experience but but it's interesting just hearing that you know gary payton is known as the best shit talker to ever play in the nba and at the time like i said i obviously just know i'm playing for the gp gloves sponsored by gary payton right. i don't know gary payton i don't know you right i just i show like i said i show up with a couple friends that was on the team already and it was like an immediately we locked in and the chemistry was like but it was Inevitable. meant to be. It was meant to God be. God don't do coincidences. Yeah. Things happen for a reason. And we may not understand everything that happened. Even going into this new program I have called the Right Way Academy. It's a story behind that one. And we can talk about that later if you want to. Yeah. Uh, how things happen. Sometimes people think it's for the bad, but it really ends up being for the good. Yeah. And that's what happened even with this situation now. But that's what happened back then. And Gary... Uh, matter of fact, uh, Gary's going to kind of help uh, with this program, too. Yeah. Him and GP, too, both are going to help financially help us uh, kind of do this for the kids, man, because time is so hard and difficult. Yeah. And, and they don't mind giving back. It's a blessing for them to give back. For sure. But like I've been giving for years, giving for years, and God is opening up doors that we making it happen. And we and they and I'm not doing this by myself. You know, GP, too. Uh, his dad, they they chipping in, they helping me out with the kids. Definitely, definitely, and obviously, you know, last night you and I go to the game, and you know, we get to chop it up with Dame a little bit, and the Portland listeners here would love this because obviously, Dame is a hero out here. But right. it's, it's interesting, you know, because Dame has done, you know, he's done all kind of little different documentaries and docu series, and he's talked about, you know, he wasn't a highly touted recruit coming out of high school, damn good player, division one talent, For obviously sure. went to Weber state, but you don't hear about guys going to Weber state. Uh, look, I, I'm a broadcaster in the big sky conference right now today at Portland state, right. same conference as Weber state. Right. And nobody in the last five years that I've been there has been even close to being considered a lottery pick in the NBA right. coming from the big sky conference. Yeah. But it's like, you know, you speak about how your teams had to fundraise, how the Rebels in particular fundraised for everything. Damian Lillard coming up through that program, he has a different respect and a different appreciation for the game and the way he treats the game because he was out there doing the fundraising. Yes. And I've heard him talk about it time and again. Again, last night, you know, you, I, you, me, Pat over here, Dame, we all chopping it up. And you could just tell, like, there was a, there's a, a different level of appreciation when you don't have all of the sponsorships right, and when right. you don't have, and when you're not the highly touted recruit, GP2 was on our team. He wasn't no McDonald's All-American. No, he, he wasn't no, you know what I mean? Like our team was good, but he wasn't, he he went to junior college after that. Right. You know what I'm saying? Like he, he took the long route to get to where he is today, but it's like, now that you're seeing the circuit where it's basically just become these apparel companies, apparel companies and media entities that are just flooding the, the market, flooding the circuit with just dollars and cents for you. 
does that grind and that hunger for these young athletes feel the same as it did with somebody like us when you coached us or somebody like Dame who or anybody through that Rebels program when fundraising was the name of the game and not who can throw me the best, the most money, and that's the way I'm going to go, even if it doesn't particularly fit my game or who I am or my personality, so on and so forth? No. Well, nowadays, these kids think they're privileged. That's the sad part. Uh, well, you guys are very appreciative of uh, for things happening the way they were at that time. But nowadays, it just to me, it's just greed. The parents are in the way. Parents are very greedy about my child. They're not all honest with their children. It ain't for everybody to be at that next level. It ain't for most. Yeah, well, 99% of the players are not going to make it to the next level. But these parents don't see that. And these parents keep wanting that there's no loyalty. You got to know if you play for us, you play for us. We didn't like it. You walked away from somebody. You didn't try to play with two or three teams at one time. Right, Which right. these kids are doing. I lost kids in, in, in asking to play for this new program I have because their parents say he has to be on the EYBL. But he don't have to be on the EYBL to get into college. Like, Dane. Right. Uh, Dane, this is what I love about Dane Lillard. Talk to us. Dane Lillard, when he was on the circuit, he was giving people the business like he do now. He, right. was, he was overlooked. But the coach at Weber kept coming, kept coming, kept coming. And he offered, he was the first one to offer name. This is all about, like, I love about name, he's loyal. That's why he's still with, with, with the Blazers. A lot of people say, oh, you should leave. But he he loyal. That's a different kind of person that he is. Right. He's a different kind of guy. He's a different kind of kid. Portland don't know they blessed to have a kid like that around. Yeah. I still call him a kid. He's a grown man, but I'm yeah, 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 a kid yeah, yeah. to me. I'm 63 years old. But, For sure. Um, Dane, once the man from Weber State offered him, here come all these other colleges. Dane told him, no. This man been here from the beginning. That's just loyalty. That's what I don't see a lot of. There's not a lot of loyalty in this, mm. in this basketball game no more. Is yeah. loyalty? No, they're not loyal to nobody but themselves. Yeah. But people don't understand loyalty go two ways. You want me to? But what is the reason for that? You think is it capitalism? Is it money? Is it the love of money? The sport is is becoming bigger business by the year. The love of money is the root of all you. Uh oh, take it, take the love, take us to church, D. Smith. (laughs) The love of money. (laughs) I I like money, but I'm not in love where I do anything for it. Right, something I'm not gonna do. Yeah, that these people nowadays will sell their soul to the devil for some money. And they, and they kids think because the money don't make you happy. Mm-hmm. If there's a lot of people that got money, ask them are they always happy. Money don't make you happy. Right. Money helps all. Well, you don't have to worry about paying your bills. Right. And stuff like that. But if I tell you what, like me, I'm on dialysis. Get sick and see how much money means. Mm. Your wealth is your health. Yeah. It ain't the money. Right. You know what I'm saying? I'm just blessed that God let me. Do the dials are still able to coach. I still have strength. I'm still, I'm still, I'm still lively. Right. But I see a lot of people in dialysis. They not, but money don't make you happy. Mm-hmm. It helps solve some problems. So a lot of people say, "I want to be rich." God don't let some people be rich because you know they can have it. Right. 
You know what I'm saying? I want right. to be rich in spirit. I don't care nothing about being rich in money. Yeah. I want to be comfortable. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. But I don't have sure. to have millions and millions of dollars to be happy. But what? For me to die and leave it for somebody to fight over? That's what, what people got that kind of money. They can't <laughs> spend all that kind of money. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? That's why I love Dave. I love GP. I love Big Gary, Little Gary. Because those guys, they have money, but they they still humble people and they still and they give back with no strings attached to yeah. them. And I'm very fortunate that they've been part of my life. I didn't know growing up that yeah. all of this would be happening this late in my life. Right. I've been like I say, these guys, they they're they're different group. I've been blessed. They're a different group of guys, man. Them dudes got a different spirit. But I think some of that speaks to your influence. And that's why I think it's important because I, again, I try to be one to look at things from from all angles. Obviously, right, 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 right. I can speak to my own experience and playing for you and knowing you you were more of an old school style of a coach right. you were more of a disciplinarian right. like you said we had to be tough we had to play hard we had to be physical we had to we had to go to we had to attend study hall yeah. like we had to do all of those things but it's like now I'm looking and it's like okay the business of basketball has gotten greater from the NBA on down to the game becoming more global so on and so forth and I don't never want to be the guy that's in the position of of of, of looking like a hater right. because certain opportunities that the business is allowing for these newer generation players and these newer generation athletes, the world nowadays. we didn't have those opportunities. So exactly. sometimes when you kind of criticize that or you downplay that, it makes you seem like the old bitter person because you didn't have the same NIL opportunities, if you will, as some of the young athletes growing up. These young athletes are becoming TikTok superstars now. Right. And and they they're getting a consistent income from doing all of that. So it's like I try to I try to be balanced about it. Right. <laughs> you know, kind of a, but it's a thing just the to way this conversation the world nowadays. You yeah. got other things. No, nothing stay the same. Right. You know what I'm saying? But if you can't go with the change, you get left behind. For sure. So even me as a coach, I had to change my coaching style. Talk because to me. Talk kids, about that because that's crazy kids, to me. <laughs> these, kids, these kids will not be able to accept the way I coach you guys. Yeah, you They'll coach quit on way. you. Yeah. They'll quit on you. And it's acceptable for them oh, to quit on yeah, now you. We couldn't you. quit. Being no, no, a quitter in our no, generation. I got to think a, a winner never quit. That a, a loser never wins. Yeah. He never wins. Yeah. A quitter never wins. Yeah. Yeah. But a champion never quits. Right. So that's why I, I, I look at that. But and you still got some good kids. Like I said, the group of kids I have now, they're they going to be the same way. I was having workouts, and they was cutting my workout. They were like, Coach, we ain't never did this before. I said, I know you haven't. That's why I got back in the coach after two years I've been out because I got ill. But I had to come back because I want these group of kids that have some talent, but I want them to be able to use it in a good way, not just looking for the money. And, you know, you, it leads to a lot of different things because, like I said, I'm very happy. 90, 98% of all the kids I coach all the year, they're doing well in life. Right. Because that ball is going to stop bouncing one day. Yeah. Look at this. Why, that's why I love Shaq. I love Kenny Smith. I love all of them dudes. Vince Carter, all them, they they got their paper. They went and got that degree. And yeah. I've been blessed. All of my kids, almost all you got, have your college degrees. Yeah, yeah. That played for me. Yeah. But you got the, you got the, my, my heroes. 
of because I don't care about the basketball. That'll take that's a that's one in a million. Right. It's just a vehicle God let me use to get a young man's attention so he can prepare for life. Because life is not basketball is not forever. Yeah. But most of most of the time you all live playing basketball. Yeah. So then yeah. what you gonna do? Right. With like that, I said yeah. earlier, a lot of these guys they they so used to being baby and messing up. When stuff don't go right in basketball, they lose their mind. Yeah. They don't have nothing to follow. Yeah. It's about building your foundation the right way. You gonna build your foundation on brick or you gonna build it on sand. Because when the storm comes, if it's built on sand, it's gonna wither away. Yeah. When the storm comes on brick, it's gonna hit up against the brick and still stand. Right. But sand can't stand up against a brick. Yeah. It's gonna fall off and fall down. So for sure. I'm big on that. For sure, for sure. I want to take it to the NBA now. Okay. Obviously, you know, you uh you were here at the game. The Blazers fans really ain't gonna feel this because you were at the game right. when the when the Blazers were up 25 right. and they let LeBron and the Lakers come back. Right. Now, you already know it's always and forever gonna be the new generation is Team LeBron when it comes to the greatest player of all time. Right, right. Your generation is more so Team Mike. Right. Me personally, I'm a Kobe guy. Right. But you got to see LeBron in year 20, live and direct, against that Blazers team. He put up 30, 37, I believe yeah, it was. He I'm put up good. he put up 37. And I even say for me, somebody who's been hell-bent, if everybody's calling Michael Jordan the greatest player in the world, the closest thing we ever seen to Michael Jordan was Kobe Bryant. True. Why is he not the number two greatest player of all time? If it's if it's such if and I'm just doing a general consensus here, if such a big part of the general population believes Michael Jordan is the greatest player ever, without a doubt, and the closest thing we've seen to Mike was Kobe, it never made sense to me how he dropped down to number eight. <laughs> All time Dude, on Kobe. a lot of these on a lot of people's lists Dude, that Kobe. come out. Kobe, a lot of lists, a lot of these lists, the media list. Kobe not even top five in a lot of people's lists no more. Now to be fair to to Kobe, his legacy obviously, you know, rest in peace. A lot of his peers don't put him down that low. No, but a lot of his peers ain't the ones that's making the list either, well, <laughs> and they're not the ones that's having the conversation because again, it's so few and far in between of those amount of people that can actually say. Now, I went head to head with Kobe Bryant, and let me tell you, nobody did it better. But without making it about Kobe, I do want to make it about LeBron in particular. Where do you stand on LeBron after watching him go for 37 in his 20th year? And obviously, he's been balling out in year 20 like he was balling out in year eight. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And, and, and where do you stand on him now in A, the GOAT conversation, and just individually coming from a gener generation before his. All right. Well, Kobe, I mean, with uh, Kobe, I was a big Kobe fan, too. I liked the Mike. Don't get me wrong. He was good. He's one of the best one-on-one -on -one players I've ever seen in my life. Yeah. And I've been watching him. I started watching. I mean, I didn't start watching, but the NBA was about to fall off the face of the map. But here came Magic and Larry Bird. Yeah. They changed the NBA game to where it started being a moneymaker. Yeah. Because without them two... It would have been no Michael Jordan. I'm telling you right now. Yeah, not, yeah, not yeah, in the NBA because yeah, yeah. they, they about really, if you check the history, the NBA wasn't doing great at that time. Right. And here come Mike, and, and I mean, here come uh, Magic, Magic and, Larry. and Larry Bird out of college. They had the, the rival going on. They brought it into the NBA. They had the rival going on. Yeah. And it, and it just, you know, it, it just built up the NBA. Now, don't get me wrong. 
Ain't nobody accomplished what LeBron James accomplished. Yeah, I have I wasn't no big LeBron James fan at first, but I'm gonna tell you something. If you sit back and look at what he's accomplished, who went to the NBA ten years in a row? Saw yes. Bill Russell back in the day, yeah, but it yeah. wasn't. But it, it wasn't many good players when Bill Russell played yeah. like it is today. Right. LeBron has taken some mediocre teams and put them on his back. I'm gonna tell you what I like about LeBron, even compared to Mike. To me, Mike didn't make his teammates better. I always tell people that. He did not make his teammates better. I always tell people that. Not to me. And I've been watching this game a long time. I, I agree. I, I had it. And but not, LeBron? Not, oh, my God. And not that to man. cut you off, no, I ahead. was having a debate with some people one time. And I was like, I said that Scottie Pippen was better at making the guys around him better than Michael Jordan was. And everybody know Jordan was so tough. Jordan was a stickler. He was this and that. He was an asshole. He made his whole team tough. You had to be tough to play alongside Jordan. I'm talking about basketball, X's and O's, and putting guys in position to, to flourish and be their best on the floor. Jordan was the best on the floor, so he was going to elevate any team that he played for because sure. he was that good. You're right. But – Scotty, to me, Jordan didn't start winning till Scotty came into the fold. And, you know, Scotty dealt with the injuries the first year that they went into the playoffs. But once Scotty got into his groove, that's when that team took off. Jordan was putting up the numbers before right. he was winning right. the championships. I tell people that all the time. He was putting so up the Buku numbers I before winning. Numbers, but he, you can't win by yourself. I don't care how good you are. You can't win by yourself. If that's the case, if you want to win by yourself, go play golf, go shoot pool, <laughs> yeah. go ball. All those are individual wins. Yeah. Playing basketball is not an individual. Mike didn't win until he got some help. Forrest Grant, yeah. Scotty Pippen, Bill Cartwright, Dennis Rodman. You name all them guys. Steve Kerr. Yeah. All them helped him win. Before Phil Jackson. Then, yeah, before <laughs> then, you put them numbers, but he wasn't winning. Yeah. But that's what I like about Magic. He went to the Lakers, called it Showtime. You know what I'm saying? LeBron, he's taking some mediocre teams, and they went to the championship. Them guys didn't have no bunch of talent, but yeah. he made everybody better. That's what I like about LeBron James. He make everybody better. A lot of them old, I mean, Jordan didn't make everybody better. And I don't think people connect. And again, this is. Much as I love Kobe, he didn't really make everybody better. He was good, but I don't think. He, he nobody's been like LeBron. LeBron, LeBron yeah, yeah. yeah. When it comes to make everybody better. So is LeBron the GOAT? I can't say that because every era is different. Okay. I don't know who the GOAT is. You know what I'm saying? It ain't like Tom Brady. He just yeah, totally he, stands yeah, out he, by yeah, himself. Yeah, 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 you know yeah, what I'm yeah, saying? Yeah, Tom yeah. Brady, you can't take away what he done covered. Right. That man, that man done took some team that he just won. He's just one. That's one person. But over you and over understand. and over again. But everybody, it ain't just one person in the NBA. Yeah. But, but nobody has done what LeBron done and went to no championship all the years. But back with Bill Russell, but basketball was totally different back then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I'm saying? Now the more talented players right. than, than it was back then. When Bill the game's Russell. evolved. Oh, man. But everything, the whole game done changed. Yes, yeah, evolved. Even now, all these kids, all this dribbling and I love Steph and Dame, but my God, they have made the game so difficult. <laughs> they have made the game so difficult to coach with these new kids, man. And but kids don't understand the work that they put in. Yeah, go to a Warrior game. I'm from the Bay. Go to a Warrior game and watch Steph Curry before a game. He almost play a game 
Yeah. Before a game. Before a game. All the shots that he takes. That's yeah. why people want to high heat make it because we're a creature of habit. We've yeah. got muscle memory. He does the Dame the same way. I, I know Dame. I don't say he works. We was up here in August for Dave's camp. For the Formula Zero camp. Man, let me tell you something. Dave put on a show in there for them kids. Did he really? Oh, my God. And, yeah. There was a kid out of Georgia. I can't remember his name. He, he ended up shooting with Dame in the three-point contest. Whoever would go, whoever out there at the college had a high school kid had to go against Dame. Yeah. Ain't no way no kid was going to beat Dame. Yeah. <laughs> Impossible. <laughs> he wasn't going to let that happen. Yeah. It's like right now, like last night in the game, he took a shot so deep. I'm like, are you serious? Yeah. But that's what they But he do. practiced that shit. But these kids nowadays, they I tell a kid like this, hey, you can shoot threes, but you better be done put up 300 shots uh, threes that week. You're not going to cut yeah. my game and shoot me out of no game yeah. because you two, you want to be a three-point specialist who haven't even worked at his craft. Right. I'm not with that. Right. But Dave, Dave, LeBron, LeBron shot one the other day. I wondered, did he really cross half court? Yeah. He was so deep on that it's shot. Not, yeah. Like, was he yeah. on the other side of the yeah. court almost? Yeah. <laughs> but, but LeBron practiced that. LeBron is a You think about looking at LeBron's body. He puts a million dollars almost a year yeah, yeah. in his workout on his, for his body. Yeah. And people wonder why he the way he is. We all can be that way if we did that. Yeah. We took care of our bodies. Right. You know what I'm saying? But everybody don't do it. So Yeah. Um, talk to me about the Right Way Academy. I think the name in itself sticks out. Um, and I think it's more uh, obviously the message is far more than just basketball because the message is about doing things the right way, not being the best, not being a, a high flying team, not right. being the not striving to be the number one team in the nation, but striving to do the things, do things the right way. Um, just tell me a little bit more about, about the program and, and more in particular, what was it that led you to say, I need to call my program the right way Academy? Cause that's a statement in itself. Right. Well, what I was doing, I, I prayed, man. I'm, I'm big on prayer, man. Um, I started to, I got this name. God gave me the thing. I just got to give God his credit. Um, God gave me to put this name in my spirit the right way. Because I like doing stuff. I've always done stuff the right I've always been different from everybody else. Yeah. I've done stuff, to me, I consider it the right way because I have so many kids that are doing so good in life. It's the way I did it. I used to have people tell me, man, if I was you, I wouldn't do that. I said, that's why God didn't give you the assignment. He gave it to me to do what I got to do to help these kids get to where they need to in life. Right. And I've been blessed. I got, like I said earlier, I have more kids that's successful in life than any other AAU coaching, probably in California. Yeah. I'm not talking about NBA. I'm talking about life. I don't care nothing about the NBA. I do love it, the NBA, but I don't, that ain't my problem. You love basketball. Yeah, yeah. but And if you look at my logo of the Right Way Academy, it has a diamond in it. Yeah. We call it the Right Way Academy Miners. We mining, uh, we're mining for diamonds. Yeah. And kids to make them diamonds. Not a basketball player. Mm. I'm talking about a diamond for life. That's why if you look at my logo, if they can see my logo, they say the right way academy. But it has a diamond. Yeah, it's spelled A C and the A that's spelled after the C is a diamond and then D E M Y. I'm looking at the shirt right now. Yeah. 
And, and you gave me one, by the way. Right. I appreciate it. Yeah. So that is, and if you look on my other basketball shirt, I haven't brought it out yet. It has a pick fork and a mining tools, mm. crossing. Uh, they say that we the that's why I call us the miners. We're mining to make diamonds. We're looking for diamonds in the rough for life. I'm not talking about basketball. Yeah. But that's why you don't see a basketball on my program logo. Right. You see a diamond. Right. We're mining. We call the miners. We're mining for diamonds. Mm. Diamond men. We're trying to turn these young men into diamonds. Yeah. Because like the people go mining in Africa for diamonds. We're mining in Oakland for diamonds. Yeah. People. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah, why, yeah, yeah. That's why this the way this name the right way. It ain't you it, it ain't but one right way in life. There's a lot of wrong ways. Yeah. But it ain't but one right way. Right. Right is always right. Right. There's a lot of ways to do wrong, but it ain't but one way to do right. Mm. Mm. So that's where this comes from, the right way academy of God put that in my spirit of doing things the right way. I don't have to do the politics. I'm not trying to buy kids. Yeah. I'm I, I'm blessed that I'm I, I have help. Where the kids don't have to pay to do this, right? But um, that's where the Right Way Academy come out of. That's why we call the, the uh, Right Way Academy minor. So it's all about character. It's all about character, building yourself up for life, man. Yeah, like I say, the ball will stop bouncing longer than you do. Yeah, way before you die, hopefully. Hopefully, right? You know what for I'm sure. Saying? For so sure. That's what. That's where the name came from. I just prayed about it, and uh, that's the name God gave me. And if it's crazy hard, it just take a, it, everybody like, man, I love that. Yeah. The right way academy. You know what I'm saying? For sure. I don't know how, I, I know how I came up with it, but I don't know how I came up with it. Yeah, 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 No, if I get what you're saying. So. I get what you're saying. Well, but, any. But the program is to help the kids prepare for life. Man. That basketball will take care of itself. Right. You know what I'm saying? Right. Like, everybody, they day is a number with the basketball. Absolutely. Some longer than others. See, God do stuff in seasons. If you think about it, from the, even we all have trials and tribulations in life, but we all have good seasons in our life. Mm -hmm. Everything is done in season. Yeah. Even relationships. You have long relationships, you have short relationships. For sure. You have lifetime relationships. If you have one day relationships or something, yeah. Yeah. That's the, you know, life is a built on relationship. Yeah. And that's why we try to build these diamonds, man. Make these, these God consider these kids diamonds. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like I say, you reach for the moon. But if you come down with a star, you still shine. You still shine. That's and right. That's what that's what it's about. Well, we're gonna close it out on that one, man. Yes, D sir. Smitty, appreciate you joining me on the podcast. It's my pleasure, you know, for somebody my again that has played played for you and, and I've been influenced by you and, yes, and by by your style of coaching. Yes, sir. Um and, and, and just you being there and stepping yes. up for us as young men as we try to find ourselves and just giving sure. us some guidance during the process. Um, you certainly been that for a lot of us, myself included, obviously having played for you. I know Pat is in here right now. That's your nephew, but yeah. he was on my, he was on our team as well. Right. And, and I, and me and him talk, we have those conversations when you aren't around. Right. Right. You know what I'm saying? Like we, but we had those come, Pat been out here to Portland. Right. I'm not saying you ain't never been to Portland, right. but I'm saying kicking it the way we've been able to kick it the last few days, you know, Pat been coming down to Portland. So we've been kicking it and hanging right. a lot. And, these are the conversations that we've had amongst each other. Right. And, and like I said, obviously, you know, me and G have had those conversations. Even Langston. Langston. Yeah, you know what I'm yeah. saying? Langston, me and Langston, we've all had these conversations. 
I sat and listened to a conversation and, and was in on a conversation with you and Dame last night right. after the game. And, and you could see, you know, the respect that he had. Dame ain't, ain't, ain't just saying, telling anybody to just come back to the locker room right, right. And, and, and chopping it up with him. Right, like, right. Everybody don't have that kind of access to Dame. Right. And for you, like, it was a no-brainer for him. So, right. um, you know, just mad respect. You know, got to give you your flowers while you can it. smell them. Appreciate in your it. trees while you can inhale them, although yeah. you don't inhale trees. Right. But, uh, you know. <laughs> <laughs> but, again, appreciate you for joining, man. And we'll have you back. We'll for have sure. you back. Definitely want to get an update on the Academy. And, and, and yeah, we're going to keep it locked. I appreciate you. Appreciate you for joining. Love you, much, Love you more. All right.